All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of the singing and everything. And again, fathers, I hope you're having a great Father's Day. You have, by the time we get out of here, you'll have a little less than six hours left, okay, to make the most of it uh, this evening. We should not be long tonight, which usually means when someone says that, they're going to be long. But I won't. I promise. I'll behave myself. We're going to look at a couple thoughts. We're going to look at several different stories and, and, and characters this evening, but we'll start with Moses here. People, it's just natural and human, human nature. Throughout forever, people have been hindered from doing things they, they should do and things that they actually could do because they are insecure. You can call it whatever you want. They, they feel down upon themselves. Insecurity is when you, when you have self-doubt, it causes anxiety or uncertainty to the point to where you, you, you don't even try to do anything and you don't do the things you could. You're, you, you see everything from the standpoint of being super careful. And, of course, we don't want to do that. We want to attempt great things in our life, uh, in our own lives, and for God. And so um, it, it's always been like that. And all of us, as we look at ourselves, we, we have a lot that we could be insecure about. We have a lot that we can look at ourselves and just like, you know, I'm, hey, I'm human, I'm flesh. How can I accomplish much? But we cannot let that stop us, particularly when we look at it from a spiritual sense. I'm told that Abraham Lincoln um, was, this is not me being mean or anything, he would say this, and history tells us. Of course, for his time, and he was a very tall man, he stood out. And he, history tells us, and he would admit to it, he was not the best looking man, I guess you would say. Not that I judge how men look, okay? By the way, if you're a man, neither should you. You have some issues with that. And so, but he knew in the type of life, particularly with politics and his early races, he knew that he would have to speak publicly and he was very mortified about how people would accept him and perceive him. And so he figured, if, I'm, if I have this insecurity, I'm not the best looking guy, I kind of stand out. He said, I'm going to overcome that by making sure that when I speak, I know how to speak. And he's very well known for his speeches. And, uh, and so his insecurity didn't hinder him. It actually helped him. I want us to look tonight at some, at, at some characters in the Bible that had some issues that could have stopped them and in some cases did. We start off with Moses. Of course, the children of Israel are ready to be led out, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And the way God would do things, he uses someone to be the leader and to help them get out. And so he comes and he's going to use Moses to get them out of Egypt and was supposed to get them into the promised land. That didn't work out very well. You would think that when God speaks to somebody and says, this is what I want you to do, and especially there where they, God spoke to him straight up, that you just say, yes, sir, if this is what you want, I'll do it. But Moses didn't do that. Moses gave excuses in fact, it was in chapter 3 where God had first told Moses, and he started the whole excuse thing. Moses was very insecure about a few areas, and he did what insecure people do. You ready? They make excuses, right? Excuses usually are a sign of, uh, uh, in, in this instance, is a sign that you, you, just don't, you just don't want to do it. You feel you can't do it. And so Moses is offering up all these excuses to God. And when it comes to serving God and following him, we can always make excuses. Moses' excuse was, I can't speak well. The, why would the people listen to me? Why would Pharaoh even listen to me? 
But we know that Moses eventually did the job and overcame this, even though he fought it on the front end. But Moses isn't the only one in the Bible who we would identify and know very clearly who had these type of insecurities or excuses that they used not to serve God. We know that Gideon did, Jeremiah did, and, and even on, a, on, a, on, a, on an unspiritual note, Demas did. When we look at our lives, all of us should have this, this one goal in mind, to follow God's will. That should be it. That, now, that sounds super, super uh, uh, simplistic, but the Christian life really is simplistic. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, I get it. Wrapped up inside of that, there, are some, there can be some complexities or some things we do. But the fact of the matter is, if God says, this is what I want you to do, that's his will, we should do it. That ought to be, his, his, that ought to be our goal. We want to do it by finding out what his word says and following that in our life. And as we do that, God will direct us in life to some specific areas. And we want to follow God and do what he says there. But... If we are going to follow the Bible and follow the path that God has given to us and the job, and I don't mean job in a sense of where you're going to work, although that's part of it. The job is how you serve him in your life in any way. You're going to have to be willing to do it wholeheartedly. You're going to have to have this kind of spirit that just says, doesn't matter what I think about myself. It doesn't matter what I think about anything. If God says this is what he wants me to do, I'm going to do it. That's the mentality we need to have. We can't give excuses, and we can't, we can't look at our life and measure our life up to what God clearly tells us to do and say, I just can't do that. God's not like that. God tells us what to do. He will make sure we can do it. None of us would want to be proud. So if we're not proud, we understand the sinfulness of our flesh, and sometimes we can flip that to use it as an excuse. But there's a fine line between being humble and being insecure, right? And again, insecurity is tied to a lack of, of, of belief, and, and this is going to sound bad, but understand what I'm saying, in our abilities to do something. And we're going to look why that's not an issue as we go forward. But if we are humble, think about it. It helps me to understand who I really am before God. And if I understand that, then I can overcome any uh, uh, insecurity I have because I know God is going to have to do it anyhow. Tonight, what I want us to look at is some characters in the Bible and their insecurities because if these Bible characters had some of these, these are some of the insecurities we're going to have. Or if you just want to make it nice, these are some of the excuses we might use to not serve God. Let's look at the first one, Moses. We read the scripture already. Moses' insecurity was his weakness. Look at back a couple verses in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11. God had already told him. He said, come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And immediately, and we go through to chapter 4, Moses starts making, uh, making uh, excuses. Now, now listen to what he said. He goes, do what I say, and you will. God's talking in the tense like, it's going to happen. If you just follow me, you're going to lead them out. And so when God tells us if a certain form of action in our life will, will bring forth a certain result, then we don't need to question who we are. We need to just get in on what God wants us to do. Because if God says this happens when you go and do it, then you go and do it. The results are on God. 
We don't have to look at our weaknesses and what we can do it. Now, if I'm looking at that, that whole situation from my own flesh, I kind of get what Moses is talking about. You understand that Pharaoh was considered a, a, a god in his land. He was very strong. He wasn't just a dictator. He was considered a, a deity. They had to do whatever he said. The people that he was trying to free were slaves. They weren't going to rise up and, and get an army and, and lead a rebellion. That wasn't going to happen. They could not fight this battle physically. So for Moses to lead the people to their freedom, it was going to take a power that neither he nor the people had. And he said, I can't do this. But the fact of the matter is, the scope of the work already said that there's no way you're going to be able to do this. That's why God told them to do it. That's why God said, if you do it, things will work out. We must understand when we think about serving God in any capacity in our life that all of us are weak in this flesh. And, and the fact of the matter is, if you try to do anything for God in your own strength or in your own abilities and you start to think, I know what I'm doing and I got this thing nailed down, you are in a very bad place. You're not in a place of God's blessing right there. God doesn't need somebody who can do it. God needs somebody that's willing to allow him to do it through them. Do you understand the difference? We're really good at taking credit when things go well, right? And it doesn't work that way with God because God doesn't want us to perform. God doesn't want us to execute for him so that we get the praise. God wants to do something and God's chosen tool to do something is us. And if it's something we can do, then it's not something God will do. God doesn't expect us to do something that is beyond our strength. As Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, he says in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasures in my infirmities, in reproaches, necessities, persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. You know why he, Paul liked, said, I, 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 when I have all these bad things going on in my life, he goes, it doesn't bother me. You know why? For when I am weak, then am I strong. And that was all in the context of not his strength. That was all in the context of God's strength. See, he said, I was brought to a place where I was so weak, and even history tells us Paul was not a physically intimidating man. Paul's strength lied in God, and God was willing to use him. If God's given you a job to do, then he will give you the strength to do it. Right? Some of you come here, and I used to think of when I was a new Christian, like these, all these Sunday school teachers and all these things going on. It's like, wow, how do they do that? You know, some of you that are here, and maybe you're newer, and you, one day you'll be a Sunday school teacher. It, that was pretty weak, okay? One day you'll be a bus worker. One day you can be a bus captain because you're not doing it on your own. You're doing it in God's power and his strength. And if that's God, what God wants you to do, you will be able to do that. If God's placed you in a situation in your life and you think, I, I don't have the ability to get through this, he'll give you the strength to get through this. We looked at this this morning, even with trials, as we looked at Job. How did Job get through it? Because of God. Because of God. And I praise Job for what he did, but he got a hold of God early on. If God's given you a path to follow, he'll give you the strength to follow it. You know, the problem with us, we just don't want to do it sometimes. And we look at ourselves and like, well, I can't do it. And the fact of the matter sometimes is that's true. But on the other hand, we don't want to do it. 
And God's looking for someone that'll just say, yes, I know what I'm getting in you. I know I'm not getting this wonderful person, but I'm getting someone who, wonderful in, in, in terms of physical strength. But God says, you can do something if you will just give yourself to me. Wasn't it D.L. Moody that one time heard the phrase that uh, uh, the world has yet to see what God will do through one man if he would just be totally yielded to God? And D.L. Moody said, you know what? I'll be that man. And by the way, Moody wasn't eloquent. Moody wasn't a great speaker. He was pretty rough around the edges. Uh, and he just said, God, you can have all of me there is. Uh, we were talking about the bus ministry a couple weeks ago. D.L. Moody's church that he started started through a bus ministry. He was going to a church, and they were not reaching these young people in the streets and this, these young poor people, so he rented a building. He started picking them up in wagons, and he got all these Sunday school teachers and organized it pretty soon. I think they had close to 1,000 children coming in all of these classes, and, and some adults were helping. It's like, why don't we just start a church here? That's how it started. He just wanted to make a difference. The reason most people never experience seeing God strengthen them in action is because they allow their insecurities or their weaknesses to stop them from even trying. We don't even try. It's like you ask your children to do something, right? You've all experienced this. Hey, go get this for me. You know. They don't even look. they like, can't find it. How many know what I'm talking about? My standard answer was, I can go find it, but if I find it, you're in trouble. Do you want to take another shot at it? And you know what they'd say? Wait right here. And you know what? The only few times the kids ever came back and didn't find it, I couldn't even find it. They just don't even try. You know, we're like that with God. God wants you to do this. Like, I just can't do it. You didn't even try. You didn't even let God, God even have a chance at your life. We have to trust him. If God wants us to do something, let's trust him that God made the right choice, and let's just do it. God might put a touch on some of you young people to go to the mission field, to go start a church, to serve him, whatever it is, and you feel inadequate. Why don't you just give God a chance? If that's what God wants you to do, you will not be happy doing anything else. You say, well, I just don't think I can do it. Good, good. That's a good starting point. Secondly, turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Moving along nicely. And let's look at verse 11. We're going to talk about Gideon. Gideon had an insecurity. You know what it was? was? The insecurity of his upbringing or who he was growing up, his family. Judges chapter 6. As you're going there, let me give you what's going on. The children of Israel at that time were, were, uh, were being uh, dominated by the Midianites. And the Midianites just were not just over them, they were pretty cruel. And so a lot of times when their harvest would, would when harvest time would come, the Midians would come in right at the t time, take their stuff, and now they're impoverished. They're taking their crops from them. So as we, as we get to this, uh, look at chapter, uh, verse 11 of chapter 6 of Judges. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was, which was in Oprah, not, not Winfrey, that pertained unto Joash the uh, Bizarite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Here it is, and it's really the evening time, and he's hiding. Okay. He didn't want them to come take it, so he's hiding from them. This doesn't sound like a guy that was pretty confident in his own strength. Verse 12, 
this, and this is, if you understand that, here's this guy hiding so he doesn't get caught. And as he's hiding in fear of the Midianites, God comes up to him, the angel of the Lord comes up to him in verse 12 and appeared unto him and said, the Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Kind of a play on the situation. Like, hey, you hiding over here. God's with you. You're a mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord. Verse 13. And Gideon said, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Well, the fact of the matter is, God wasn't with them. He says, I'll be with you. They were disobedient to God. Anyhow, that's a message for another night. And where be all his miracles which our fathers told of us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? He's like, why are we in this situation? Well, because no one's standing up and everybody's afraid and everybody's disobeying God. Of course he's not going to respond to that. But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? You, you understand what he's saying? Here's this, he, at the, he's a, now he fought, he, he had great faith later, but it's like he's hiding from the Midianites. He said, no, 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 you're a mighty man. He goes, really? If God's for us, which he didn't say he was, he said he was for, he was for Gideon, that would change later. And he says, you're going to be, he's like, why is all this happening if God's forsaken us? He doesn't even argue with them. He just says, you're going to lead them out. You want to really see God do something? You're saying God hasn't done these miracles? It's your turn. I need you. He's the answer to his own question. Verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Do you see what he was saying? He was using who his family was and who he was in his family as an excuse. Our family is poor. We are nobodies. And in the structure of my family, I am the lowest. By the way, I just stopped for a second. Do you know somebody else like that? David. I mean, they're having dinner with, uh, uh, we're having dinner with Samuel, and David doesn't even get an invite. But yet, who's the one God used? David. Who's he want to use here? He wants to use Gideon. Gideon wanted to use who he was in his family as an excuse. Many of us use that excuse today, right? People use their family as an excuse not to serve God. Let's just be honest here. You don't know who I am. You don't know my, my upbringing. I grew up in a, here we go, you ready? I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Can I just tell you something? I am in a dysfunctional family right now. And so are you. None of us have everything together. We're doing the best we can by God's grace. And so let's not use that as an excuse. God doesn't want to hear that. God, it, look, at God's, God already told him, like, you're the guy. There, it wasn't like questions. I don't, I'm pretty sure God knew his background. I'm pretty sure. That's just an excuse. Let's not use our family as an excuse. God knows us. I heard when Brother Bird spoke a few weeks ago, and he was talking about fatherlessness. And, and to be honest with you, those numbers he gave us, I thought those numbers were a little bit light. I think it's worse. Growing up without a father. And I get it. I grew up without a father. 
I grew up, uh, I grew up, I didn't grow up, you know, I, well, I'm not trying to, you know, white privilege. I didn't get any of that. I, I missed that boat. Okay, I, we, we grew up, the police were there all the time. Okay, maybe that was the only privilege we got. But, but, you know, I could use that as an excuse. I had a great mother. She did the best she could with me. And the fact of the matter is, if she didn't do what she did, I would have been far worse than I was. But I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Okay, and I can't look back at that and use that as an excuse. And by the way, we unknowingly use that as an excuse. We're not, you know, we grew up in that type of family. And so, that not, and again, I'm not saying my family was bad. My mom was great. All my brothers and sisters, they're fine. But, but we can use that as an excuse to not go forward for God. Hey, that's not an excuse. That, to be honest with you, that motivated me that when I'm a father and when I get married, I, I'm gonna, I want to have the right kind of family. Amen. Okay? I want to make sure that I'm present and I'm in there. By the way, it's Father's Day. So let me say this to the fathers. Usually we're mean to the fathers and I'm not being mean. But I'll say this kindly as I can, if you grew up in a family that wasn't optimal, you have no excuse not to be a good father. Quit using that. We do that. Well, that guy, you know, he's just not around, he's just not doing it. It's like, well, you know, he grew up in a bad situation. I did too. And some of you grew up in worse situations than I ever saw. That's no excuse. It's no excuse, and again, my dad did not abandon us, there was just this, the marriage split. But that's no excuse for me to be a horrible father. I'm choosing to be a horrible father. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> There's no excuse. Fact of the matter is, I don't understand that because it seems like we just kind of perpetuate that. When fact of the matter is, we ought to have children and say, you know what? That's not what I wanted in my family, and I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen in my family. Maybe if we would quit making excuses for the, let's talk to the men, right? Ladies, we love you, but it's not your day. You had it last month. Get over it. Let's quit making excuses for men and start expecting them to act like men. I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of our society. If a man acts like a man, toxic masculinity. No, look at how they act. They're acting like toxic femininity. And I'm talking about the men. They don't, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. All this, this, this garbage. And men are afraid to act like men. It's because you're being toxic. Don't, what is it? If a guy even says something to a girl, like, oh, hey, let me explain. Mansplaining. We didn't know what it was. Right? If I'm, if it's something that my wife knows about, it's no woman-splaining. Because there's things I don't need to know as a man about women. It's not mansplaining. It's like, you have no clue what that is. Let me tell you about it. Isn't that just life? And there's no such thing as all that. They're just trying to push down masculinity. Just because you grew up with a father doesn't mean you should be an absent father. And by the way, I have zero respect for that. Zero. And I feel bad for the children. I'm not saying they have, you're making, and, I, and I, I, just, I just said that you have no excuse, but let me just go ahead and pop the other side. You're, you're putting your children in a, in, a, in a worse position. How many of them are in jail? The numbers of men in jail who do not have a father are astronomical. The numbers of girls who get pregnant before they're married or as teenagers, the percentage of them who do not have a father in the home is astronomical. Astronomical. 
And I guarantee you the ones who do have a father in the home and are out doing that, in most cases, they have a father that's not spending a lot of time there. And by the way, you know, that's why a church family, we're here to help everybody. We're here to be a church family and help each other. You know, get out there, like little boys are out there playing, they skin their knee. Oh, he skinned his knee. Good. Skin the other one. Anyhow. Then they don't want to work. They want to work at Starbucks. Man, maybe if we would start being a father to our daughters, they'd quit running around chasing boys. You know, I look back on it now, just the people I knew growing up. You know the girls who got in the most trouble? As I look back at it now, I didn't understand it from a spiritual perspective. In they didn't have any dads running around the house, right? Brother Grandy, uh, brother Grandy, not brother Grandy here, his dad, and I think the story's true. He told me that, uh, you know, his dad wasn't saved, and his sister would date guys, and so that he'd bring them over and say, you know, come on in, have a seat, and he'd clean his gun while he was talking to him. So, what are you guys doing? Where are you guys going tonight? Just to let him know. He said one time, he said one time a guy came in, his dad's cleaning the gun, and he's like, where are you guys going tonight? The guy goes, hey, what kind of gun? He goes, what kind of gun is that? He goes, that, that's, he goes, I got one of those. They started talking. I'm like, whatever happened to that guy? He goes, oh, they got married, okay? He made it through. <laughs> but you know what? A dad is there. Well, it's getting real weak. Girl, don't let your girls just go do what they want. They need, they need a guy in their life. If you're not the guy in their life, someone will be. But let's be men. And maybe if we'd be a father to our sons, they wouldn't run around looking like women and acting like sissies. You know? And but you older sisters, the same thing. Oh, Junior fell. Good. Now he can get up and fall on the other side. Okay? Nothing's broke. Let's balance it out now. Just because you're a boy and maybe you grew up without a father, if you know Christ... And you're saved, you don't have an excuse. You know better. You're a girl, you, you don't have a dad in your home. Why wouldn't you want something better? So let's, let's make sure. Let's not use our families and get it. I, I think, and I understand it. I think everybody should have a mom and the dad and the children in the home loving and spending time together. But just because that doesn't happen, let's not, let's not use that as an excuse to go crazy in our lives. Let's not use that as an excuse to say God can never use you. Fact of the matter is God can use you greatly. Right? Remember in the book of Judges when they, they Jephthah, Jephthah was born of a relationship outside of marriage and his brothers and sisters, they kicked him out. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. Guess what happened when war showed up? Hey, go get Jephthah. I think he can handle this. Okay, so you can be used. Don't use your past in any, in not just in family sense, let's just say this, let's not use your past in any ex expense not to serve God. And I'll, I'll, it's, I'm treading lightly here, but I won't be specific, but sometimes unpleasantries come into a person's life as they're growing up. Things that you should not have had to deal with, things that yet should not have had to come your way. Do you understand that you have an opportunity through Christ to get away from that? See, our society tells us when someone's down socially, like, you're being pushed down. That's, that's, that's just who it is. And people are pushing you down. Why don't you push back? Why don't you just say, you know what? I ain't being pushed down. I'm getting up. God's got something for me. I don't care what the world's telling me. 
It's what happens. I, re- I saw a, a little video recently, and, and I hope it's true. I mean, I saw the video. You know, maybe they, I don't know, photoshopped it. They put all these fleas in a jar. And they put a lid on it for a little bit. And these fleas were all jumping up, trying to get out, and they're banging their heads against the top of the, the lid. And I don't remember the amount of time, but if you leave them in there a certain amount of time, you can take the lid off, and none of the fleas will jump out. Because banging their head against the wall, they're like, now I know how high I can jump without getting hurt. And so you know what? They give up. They've been conditioned to not even try anymore. And sometimes that's our past. We allow our past to tether us and put a limit on what God can do in our life, whereas God says there are no limits. You're only limited by your commitment to me and my power. And you know what? His power is pretty high. So let's make sure we don't fall for that. Let me give you another one here. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll probably end with this one. Verse 4. It says, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, a bunch of other books, and then Jeremiah. If you're new and you don't know, here's what you do. Turn to the table of contents. When I was a new Christian, I had no clue. I got those little tag things, you know what I'm saying? So I could just, the little tags on the outside, okay, there we go, we're good. Made me look like an expert. Chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord, beginning of the book, came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I set you apart for a reason. I ordained thee to be a prophet to the nations. Wow, he has a great... Job for, excuse me, it's a great job for Jeremiah. Here's Jeremiah's response. Then this said I, oh, Lord God, I cannot, for I'm a child. First thing out of his mouth, whoa, whoa, time out. What did you just say? I can't do that. I, 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 I can't speak. Isn't that how we are? It's our abilities. God wants me to do this specific job. Do I, do I have that ability to do that? By the way, you know, I find it interesting. I'll just throw this in because every time I get an opportunity, I will. Um, When did God know Jeremiah? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He knew Jeremiah before he was ever born. And then he says, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Seems to me that God thought he was a person before he was physically born. You know, I'm getting tired of the murder of babies. Worse than that is the excuses. My body, my choice. Well, your body doesn't have a brain. It's just evil. It's beyond evil. It's, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's disgusting. You know, I wonder sometimes how many great things could have been accomplished by people, but it never happened because they were murdered before they ever got a chance. I wonder. One of those great people, God had a plan for them, and their parents said, you know, it's just inconvenient right now. Can I just tell you something? Children are going to be inconvenient whenever they're born, okay? But they're a blessing whenever they're born as well, you know? This idiocy, there was a gender reveal I heard of recently, and here was their gender reveal. We had an abortion. How pagan to celebrate something so awful when God has that individual and God might have something great for them, 
We don't even give them a chance. Think about that. But anyhow, that's not the message. But God had something for Jeremiah before he was ever, ever born. And Jeremiah's like, I don't have the talent or the gifts to do that. I just don't. And God talks to him and says, listen, you know the tongue that you're going to use? Who do you think formed that thing? Who do you think even thought to put that in your mouth in a sense? I know, I know how speech works. And if I've asked you to do it, you can do it. I'll give you the ability. And by the way, we all have abilities. And when they're empowered by God, we can use them in a far greater capacity than we ever thought we could. John 15, 5 says this, for without me you can do nothing. Now, you can do things of a non-spiritual or a non-eternal matter, but with God you can do the things God wants you to do. You're not limited by anything. I just can't do, some of the greatest people in the world, that you wouldn't look at them and think, what a great you know, I can see why God used that person. How many know what I'm talking about? I've met people like that, like, whoa, that person. And, and, and he'll say it. One of the greatest missionaries this world has seen in recent years is Rick Martin. When you see Rick Martin, how many of you have ever seen him? And I don't mean this in a bad way. He's, he's just a guy. I remember years ago, this is back before, you know, you can call the other side of the world now. It's like on your cell phone, right? It used to cost like big time money. Pat, we were going to have Rick Martin at the church. And, and so um, pastor had me try to get a hold of him. You couldn't just call him. He had to call me. And, and he called me at my house after a service. The time was working for them. And, and, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, man, you didn't have to call. I was going to call you. You know, it was very expensive. It's like, no, no problem. And I'm like, uh, you know, hey, here's the time. Will you be able to make it? I'm trying to go real quick, right? Because I didn't want this guy spending hundreds of dollars on a phone call. All right, thank you. We're looking forward to it. He goes, so uh, what do you do? I'm like, you know, I, I work at the church. Tell me about your family. I'm like, tell me about your family. This is costing you like $10 a minute. What do you mean tell me about my family? He was just such a humble, wonderful man. Amen. That's why God uses him. Amen. God gave him the abilities he needed to do it. And God can do that with us. It's not because you're, you know what I found sometimes the people that think they have these great abilities and they're all, they don't do very much because they're trusting in their abilities and God's out the window. And God doesn't get any honor and glory in that. You've heard the story, I think Brother Esposito used it years ago, but there was a, a, a missionary that came to America. Now he was not an American sent missionary. In other words, he was not from America and he was sent out. He was somebody that a missionary sent from America had reached in a foreign country. And he came to America. And they traveled around and they were in churches. And, and he was amazed at the American churches, but not in a good way. And he's the one that said, he goes, they ask about the American churches, what stands out to you? And he says, I'm at a, he goes, I'm amazed at how much the American church can accomplish without God. What a slap in the face. You can, you can accomplish something, but it's of no great value. But when you're like Jeremiah and you give in to God and say, God, I'm in. What do you want me to do? God will use whatever talents we have for him. You don't have to be the most talented person. Let's be thankful for that because we're not a bunch of talented people. And by the way, you know why God used to, likes to use people that aren't talented? Because that don't have this great ability. It's because God gets the glory for it. If you can explain what's going on spiritually in a church or in your life, then it's not of God. You understand that? I think our church is great. 
I, I'm amazed at what goes on around here. I'm like, why do people come to me? Why do people show up like this? Like, I wouldn't show up to listen to me. My family doesn't even listen to me, right? And I don't want to hear Brother Ross or Brother all these other guys. And it's like, you know, it's like, what's going on? Why do people come to church? I mean, it's kind of a spiritual thing. You have to get up early on Sunday morning. I don't know. God just is doing it. You know, well, can you give me your secret sauce formula to what's going on here? No. Because secret sauce reminds me of McDonald's, and that makes me sad. Okay. No. It's, now, I get it. We're supposed to be organized and do the things we're supposed to do, but fact of the matter is, whether or not that gets used is up to God. And I think if we just give God the praise for what he's doing, I think God's like, I'm in on that. And, and Pastor Esposito, his, I, I, love, and it's, it, I love the phrase he used, God's favor on our church. Not because of who we are. I have no idea why. Maybe because we're just willing to try to serve him. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know what I could do. I know what you can do. Why don't you just try to serve God? Amen. And why don't you just say, Lord, I may not be the best at it, but I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to do it because I love you, and I'll leave the results with you because the results are for you anyhow. It has nothing to do with me. God works with that. God works with that. And it worked for Jeremiah. Let's make sure that we are just willing to do. When someone looks at a task and says, I just don't think I can do it, that's a good place to be. But only if it's follow, followed by, but I'll do it and see what God does. What are we doing? What excuse are we using? And I can go on and on, but I won't. I promise to be short. What excuses are you using to not do something for God? Now, there's, there, you know, there's excuses where we just are lazy and we just don't want to do things. I'm not talking about that. You need to get over that and bring that to the altar and get right and just do what you're supposed to do. I'm not talking about that. But sometimes, look, there is so much to do in a church. There is so much to do in this world. And the fact of the matter is, I'm with you. You can't do it. And neither can I. But if God wants you to do it, you ought to be willing to do it. Why don't you just see what God can do? And then you can sit back and scratch your head and say, wow, God did this. Not me. Not you. Not him. God did it. And you know what happens when God does it? It's lasting and it's incredible. But it never happens. Moses, if Moses would have just fought God and fought God, he wouldn't have led the people out of, the, out of, out of Egypt. Someone else would have. Jeremiah, someone else would have wrote that book. And on and on. Gideon, God would have brought deliverance from another place. And all of these were men. We look at the men of the Bible sometimes and we think, what great men. They had it all together. No, they didn't. Moses was a murderer. Okay, he spent 40 years in the desert getting his act together. God working on him, you know, and all these different guys. Gideon, Gideon was fearful, yet God used him strongly. They're just men like you and I. That's all they are. Only they gave themselves to God and said, God, I can't do it. Why don't you do it through me? Are you willing to let God do something through you to make a difference in somebody's life? That's all it is. Let's stand together this evening, please, if we may. Every head bowed and every eye closed. For just a second, please. Do you have one of these insecurities? I just, I don't have the talent. I mean, I, I don't think I can physically do it. 
like Jeremiah? Are you looking at it, Moses? I'm just weak. I have so many weaknesses, Lord. I just can't do this. You're looking at Gideon. You don't understand my family. You don't understand how I was raised. You don't understand what I've went through. There's no way I could do it. But the fact of the matter is, God knew all of that before he talked to any of them. He already knew all that. We're just presenting him the old information. It's just excuses the enemy will give you to not even try. Why don't we just allow God to do something and say, Lord, let me find my place. Put me in where you want me to be. And you may not get the best ability. You may not get the most strength. You may get someone with a flawed background, but you're going to get everything that I have. God can work with that. The piano is going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? God's just looking for people who are willing. That's it. People that are willing to work in the face of weakness. Lack of talent with a background that may not be the best.